Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Hello, everybody. Good morning. How you doing? You doing all right? Hey, it's good to see you guys. My name is Elmer Cañas Jr., and I serve as one of our pastors here at church over our worship and experience. And um, usually you guys see me behind a piano or behind my guitar leading worship, but today I have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with the church. Amen. I'm excited. And uh, come on, let's praise the Lord. God is good. And, and I want to start off just by thanking our lead pastors, Pastor Mike and Pastor Stephanie. Thank you so much for this awesome privilege. But and most importantly, thank you for loving our family so well, for loving our church so well, and for leading the way. You know, we love you guys, and we're so thankful to God for your life. Can we, can we thank God for our pastors? Amen. The way that they love those of us in church, you know, that's the way they love our staff as well. And it's, it's incredible uh, just to see how they lead us. And it's been, it's been such a privilege and an honor to be part of LifePoint Church. We've been here for almost three years uh, this September. And so, uh, man, God is good. Amen. If you're visiting us for the first time in person or online, we want to welcome you guys. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And for those of you on our online campus, our online host team is there to serve you and to answer any questions that you might have. And Pastor Jure already mentioned, we'd love to connect with you in person at the Big Red Wall after the service to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, I do want to welcome our Austin P campus. Can we show our Austin P campus some love? Come on. I have the privilege of going to Austin P every about once a month and leading worship out there and serving with the team. And let me tell you something, it's incredible to be out there and just worshiping together with you guys and what God is doing at Austin P. Pastor Jordan, Pastor Aaron, you guys are doing an incredible job in leading our Austin P campus. There's people that drive all the way from Ashland City just to be a part of our Austin P campus. Come on, God is up to something. Can you praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. I want to take this time to thank you for your continuous uh, generosity. You guys continue to make a difference in the lives of others through your faithful tithing and giving, whether you give through our website, on our app, in the mail, or if you drop in a, one of the boxes out in the lobby. Thank you. Over the last several weeks, we've heard Pastor Mike share his heart regarding where we're going as a church. Um, we've launched a three-year building initiative that we're calling our Forward Campaign, and it is our three-year initiative that, i get this right, uh, to advance the mission of God through the building of our brand new Tiny Town Road campus. Is anybody excited about that? Just a few people? All right. <laughs> Man, everything's on track. We're moving forward with all the preliminary plans and the groundwork. Our CFO, Ronnie Gray, has done an incredible job in leading the charge with all of those details. And last week, Pastor Mike shared exciting news. He shared all these numbers, and I'm just going to give you guys a quick update. Over the last week, we've, we've received $87,934 extra in pledges. So, you know, thank you guys so much for contributing and being a part of what God is doing. And real quick, I want to show you this number on the screen real quick, and this is where we're at in, um, with the pledges and the saving and everything that, that Pastor Mike shared last week. But I want you to realize at the end of that that big number, there's 60 cents. Like, who pledges 60 cents? 
<laughs> Who pledges 60 cents? This week, our, our accountant, Judy Fuller, she shared with me this story, oh man, of a little girl in Kid Point that has pledged a dollar and 60 cents. Come on. And I, I can only imagine this little girl a year from now when this building is built, when she's able to see people worshiping and lives being changed and, and she invites people, hey, you should go to my church. How she's gonna feel that she was a part of seeing this campus become a reality. Come on, can we praise the Lord? Come on. We can all do our part. And as we, as we encourage you weekly, go to the Lord, ask God, what can I contribute and commit to, to this vision as we move forward with our forward campaign, amen? Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend and people are in and out and about, you know, and uh, thank you for being at church today. And I, I'm pr pretty sure you guys will be cooking out soon, sometime this week. Um, but I'd like to take this moment to acknowledge and to honor the men and women that have lost their lives as they've served our great country and the armed forces and all of our military branches for those that have fought for our freedom and for our protection. The efforts of the fallen have not been in vain, and we continue to pray for the families that have lost loved ones this year and over the years, that God's peace abide and rest over your hearts and homes. And thank you to all of you that are actively serving or retired. Thank you for your service. Amen. I'd love for us if we can in the room and online, if we could just take a quick moment, let's bow our heads and just in honor of the fallen, let's just have a moment of silence. Father, we surrender this time to you. Thank you for allowing us to gather from all different walks of life. Each of us with our own unique stories, Whatever our past might look like, today is a new day, and your grace is more than enough. Your mercies are new every morning, and your love transcends all obstacles. We pray for those that have lost loved ones as they've sacrificed their lives for our freedom. Be the peace that they need right now, God. Be their comfort and the mender of broken hearts, Lord. Lord, capture our hearts this morning. Let us not leave the same. Reveal to us your grace, your joy, your power. Fill us with your truth, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. 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 Before we continue with the book of Philippians, I just wanted to take some time to uh, introduce myself to you guys. A lot of people know me as the, the guitar guy, but I promise I'm more than just the guitar guy. <laughs> and just to settle any disputes about my ethnicity, I am Hispanic. My beautiful mother is from Monterrey, Nuevo León, Mexico, and my father is from the city in Guatemala, which is in Central America. I do have Asian in my genes via my mother's side of the family, and that's why my eyes are little. Um, <laughs> and I write, speak, read, sing fluently in Spanish, and we can have a great conversation if you speak Spanish. Um, I'm born in, I was born in L.A. and California, and we did not move to Clarksville and seek of refuge, as Pastor Mike would put it. Um, <laughs> in, 20, in 2002, I actually moved at the age of 20 to Dallas, Texas, and it's in Dallas where I met my wife my wife, Lori Nicole, and we had two of our children, Jordan and Emery. They were born in, in the Dallas area. And our youngest, Levi, who's about to turn three, he was actually born in Sydney, Australia. And uh, he's our little Aussie. And um, in 2013, we moved from Dallas to the Nashville area to serve 
a local church as worship pastors. And that's when I actually met Pastor Mike and Pastor Stephanie, and we became great friends. And over the years, we stayed connected. I remember visiting LifePoint back in the day when there was less than 500 people, and there was the, the wood paneling in the back, and it looked so cool back then, but how times have changed. And, uh, you know, and then we moved to, to Sydney, Australia in 2016, and we served as creative pastors overseas and with a great church, great people. And um, we returned back home September 2nd of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, that's just a quick snapshot of our life journey. And there's obviously a lot of details that I left out, but we all have a unique journey and path in which life has taken us. Some of us have experienced more pain than others. Some of us have been spared from sorrow and grief up to now. Young and old, brown, white, black, we are all unique. But despite our differences, there's still something that unites us. And in church, people are probably going to say, oh, Jesus, the blood of Jesus. No. We're all seeking something. Those of you at Austin P, those of you online here at Rossview, the people down the road, the church in Sydney, people in general are in search of purpose. Culture, economic status, age what part of the world you live in, none of that settles the search for purpose in our lives. You can be a 12-year-old in search of your identity and purpose in life. You can be a 75-year-old person in search of God's purpose for the season of your life. And as we continue in the book of Philippians, there is one thing that stands out throughout the book, and that is that Paul is driven by his purpose to fulfill God's plan in his life and in the lives of those around him. He knew that in the good times, God had a purpose. And that in the bad times, God could turn his situation around for his purpose. Amen. Today's message is entitled, I belong to Jesus. If you're taking notes, just write that down. I belong to Jesus. Can, can we say that together? I belong to Jesus. And as we continue to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we can see that he lived in a state. He, he came to a place in life where he had realized a full realization that he was merely a vessel in the hands of God. He was willing and ready to be spent by God, for God's glory, amen. I love illustrations. I love illustrating the message, different points, different things, and so that's why I have this picture. It's not that I'm really thirsty, and you know, I just wanted to illustrate a point. This vessel, this is us, and God chooses us, and he chooses us regardless of our imperfections of our past, whatever, our, we, whatever shame we carry, God chooses us because he loves us. And he has a plan for our lives. And there are people in your life that will never reach the people that God has intended for you to reach. And God has a purpose for your life. Amen? God fills us. So there's already water in this. He fills us up with blessings, with wisdom, knowledge, health, relationships. For the opportunities that are ahead, God's equipping us. He's preparing us. But a lot of times we would rather be comfortable with what God has already given us. And we choose comfort over purpose. We choose comfort over pain. We choose comfort over change and over God's plan. And God wants to take our lives. He wants to take our lives and he wants to pour us out. So he gives us all these things with the purpose of pouring us out. And he pours us out. And if we let him, he'll pour us completely out. Completely empty. 
And this is the place a lot of us fear because we're willing to be filled by God, but it's the harder thing to actually be poured out by him. And being used by God is satisfying, but we can easily fear the lack of rest, the lack of resources, the fear of how will I make it? Will I have enough time? Is this or was this the right decision? And we begin to question what tomorrow will look like. We want to take control, but we forget that God was the one that filled us once before and that he can do it again. I said he could do it again. And guess what? He wants to be your rest. He wants to fill you up. So as you're pouring yourself out, you're looking for rest. He is your rest. He is your peace. He is your resource. We didn't accomplish what we accomplished on our own from the beginning anyways. It was all God. God provided. God equipped. God gave. And we were able to do and fulfill God's plan and purpose. God can spend us as, at his will because he will also be the one to replenish and restore us. And, and that's what Paul figured out. That's what Paul figured out that, that God wanted to pour him out and that God would restore. That's why he was able to live with such joy. Amen. And we'll, we're going to be focusing on Philippians chapter one and just finishing out that chapter, verses 19 to 30. And I love, I love this scripture. It's really been ministering to my heart. And if you'll follow along, if you have your Bibles, if you have your app, your Bible app, go ahead and open it up to Philippians chapter one, verses 19 to 30. And we can all read together. It says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted that you, to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And verse 30, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. Amen. Our first point is today is, if you're taking notes, point number one, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 19 says, through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the spirit of Jesus Christ, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. Paul continues with this theme about prayer, and we heard Pastor Mike talk about it over the last few weeks, about prayer, the power of prayer, amen? There's power in prayer. How many believe that? And, and he says, through your faithful prayers, he trusted that the Philippian church was praying for him, and he knew that because they were praying for him, God's will would be fulfilled. This scripture reminds me of the importance of community. 
Even though Paul traveled so much and appeared in such diverse areas on his journeys, he always was able to connect with others in the name of Jesus. And there is such value in being part of a church community. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Being part of a small group and doing life with others and not doing life alone. I want to ask you guys and challenge you in this room online at Austin P. How many people do you know that are faithfully praying for you or that would be willing to pray for you in your time of need? If you don't have anybody, just look around this room. Look around at Austin P. Look around. There's people everywhere. We are family. You're not alone on this journey. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Somebody say, we are the church. And we're here to encourage and to lift one another up. Amen. Every, and, and this is for some of us. Everything might seem okay in your camp, but what if you are the answer to somebody else's prayer? There's power in prayer. There's power in community. Amen. Verse 20, it says, I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known. He says, everything happening to me. Paul is able to find opportunity in the good and the bad in everything. He finds purpose in the pain. But how? How is it that he finds purpose in pain? Over the last few weeks, we've seen that image of that prison cell where Paul was chained up in those conditions that he was living in. We've read the description of the many challenges that he faced in 2 Corinthians 11, and, and yet he was still able to see the bright side in all of this and to trust that God was doing something great, even if it wasn't going great for him personally. Sometimes things might not seem great for you, but God is up to something. And we just have to trust that he is in control. Amen? Paul had committed to the mission over his own comforts and over his own life. Verse 21, regardless of whether I live or die, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. And I'm reading that, that scripture. I'm reading out of uh, the message version. So it's a little different. We're used to the ESV, and this is for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But I just want to focus on that me- the message. And it says, I am his prize. Many of us can't wait to get to heaven because we continually hear that our reward is in heaven. You know, the book of Matthew says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. And we hear about it. But what Paul is saying, saying that I'm God's prize, he's seeing this completely different. And I hope we can catch it together. He realized that God sent Jesus to redeem and restore our relationship with God, with God the Father through his death and resurrection so that we can be in communion with God and for it with here on earth and in eternity. Paul realizes that God initiated the process first. God is after us. God is after us. God can't wait for, you know, for us to be in communion with him here on earth. And God can't wait for us to be with him in heaven. We are his prize. Many times we make it about, about you know, I have to live a life worthy of God. This and that. God is just waiting like, hey, I'm right here. I, I love you the way you are. Come on. Hey, whatever you, I, I'll do the work in you, but just come to me. Just come to me. God loves you. Come on, say, somebody say, God loves me. God loves Amen. So Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if we're brutally honest with ourselves, how many of us can actually echo Paul's heart and make such a profound claim that we are willing to stand by? Can you really say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? That's a really hard statement to make. 
His assignment in life was to fulfill the Father's plan at all costs, including at the expense of his own life. He understood that to continue living life on earth was an opportunity for him to continue on assignment, and to die was simply stepping into a glorious life with Jesus. Paul had a revelation of how God wanted to spend his life. He found his purpose. He found his calling. He knew that what God had put in him wasn't, it wasn't intended to stay in here. And he continued and he traveled and he went and went and went. He got arrested. He got beat. He got all these things happen to him. And he just continued to pour it out with joy, with joy. Because it's for my Jesus. It's for my Jesus. In Galatians, we read Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. It says, for, this is Paul, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who I called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. This is the moment that Paul is talking about where he, Jesus was revealed to him. The Son of God was revealed to Paul. And then his mission, his assignment, his purpose was defined. And he says that I might preach him, to preach Jesus amongst the Gentiles. This is Paul stepping into his assignment. Someone say assignment. And he was well aware that his life belonged to Jesus. Paul believed and recognized that his life was not his own. Paul had an eternal perspective. His assignment was based on eternal impact. It wasn't so much of what's going to happen to me tomorrow. He was more concerned about, hey, are you going to heaven or not? Pastor Evan Smalley, one of our pastors at Austin P. they're probably screaming out there. During our sermon prep this week, she was quiet the whole time, and all of a sudden, she gracefully spoke out and just dropped this nugget of gold, and she said, a life lived for Christ is a life always lived on kingdom assignment. Amen. If we say we're going to live a life for Christ, that means we're on assignment 24-7. Amen? Point number two, companion to you. Companion to you, verses 22 to 26. As long as I'm alive in this body, there is good work. Another translation says fruitful labor for me to do. In this, in this part of the scripture, Paul confidently states that any time he had left on earth would result in good work and fruitful labor for God. He did not see the remainder of his life as wasted time. Even if it was to be spent in prison Every moment of every day was to be considered fruitful labor or good work that can be done for the Lord. Amen. If I had to choose right now, just continue in the scripture. If I had to choose right now, I hardly know which I choose. Hard choice. The desire to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. Some days I can think of nothing better, but most days because of what you're going through, I am sure that it's better for me to stick it out. So I plan to be around a while. Companion to you. As your growth and joy in the life of trusting God continues, you can start looking forward to a great reunion when I come visit you again. We'll be praising Christ, enjoying each other. Paul was a spiritual father, and his heart for others was beyond anything we can imagine. Everything he had endured 
that we've read in scripture was motivated by his assignment to that he might preach Jesus to the Gentiles. And as part as part of that assignment, Paul was pouring into others. He was pouring into the church abroad. He was discipling people along his journey. And as much as he was committed to the mission and to his assignment, he was also aware that his assignment was bigger than himself. He knew it was way bigger than himself. And that is why he was able to rejoice in verse 18. We, we talked about that last week when others were proclaiming the gospel out of selfish ambition, just to stick it to him. Because you're in prison. You can't preach Jesus, but look at me. I'll preach Jesus. Paul said, I don't care. Preach, preach it. Come on. He was probably at the cell. Just if I can hear you. Come on, preach louder. Preach it. And he was excited because the gospel was being spread. Paul was committed to the work of Christ and to the work of Christ in and through the church. He, he could have easily closed his eyes and could have started singing, I'll fly away, oh glory. Just say deuces. But he didn't. He stuck it out. Death would have been too easy. It would have been way too easy. As much as he would have enjoyed being with Christ, he chose to stick it out. If, if you fear dying, then you'll never live life. The importance of living life on mission, on assignment. The, this life is not my own. Not only am I living for Jesus, but I am living life. We are, li we are living our lives so that others may know Jesus Christ. There's this real powerful quote by St. Francis. That you guys might have heard. It says, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, you use words. I'll let that sink in. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. There are and will be many people in our lives that will refuse to step into a church building. And the only gospel that they will experience is our lives, the way you live. When you pull up into your house, how you treat your family, how you treat your coworkers, while you're driving down Wilma Rudolph, Our lives are meant to reveal Christ to others. The love of Christ is grace and mercy, his joy. Amen. And you guys might be looking at me and be like, all right, hold up, preacher. But you, you're employed by the church to do churchy things, so that might be easy for you. And, you know, I'm, I work at a bank, and you don't know what I go through. And I work in construction, or I'm in the military, and I'm a doctor. I sell cars. I'm a stay-at-home parent of five kids. <laughs> God bless you. But at the end of the day, these are temporary places of employment or titles that are assigned by man, temporary assignments on this earth. We can easily use the blessings of God, our work, our employment, our abilities, our businesses, even our families, and use them as the very excuse why we can't contribute our lives to the expansion of the kingdom of God. One day what we're doing will be no more. This life is short. We belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, we are called to live as citizens of heaven. Point number three, live as citizens of heaven. Come on, somebody. Verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. In the NIV, it says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in, 
in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And then I'm gonna continue reading verse 28 through 30. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Um, I, verse, going back, verse 27, last week you heard Pastor Mike. He, he wasn't supposed to preach it or talk about it, but he did. It's his favorite scripture. And uh, it's funny that Pastor Mike hasn't got, you know, that scripture tattooed on his body yet. Um, but in order to work here, we all have to have it tattooed on our, on our bodies, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not a real tattoo. Mom, it's not a real tattoo. <laughs> but going back to verse 27, the root word of the English word worthy is worth, which means the value of something, how much something costs, or in this context, how much something really matters. And we should live our lives in a way that reflects how much the gospel truly matters to us. We say we love Jesus. We say we belong to Jesus, we come to church, we tick all the boxes, but we have to live in a way that shows how much this really matters. So it's not just what's on the outside, but it's what's happening on the inside as well. In this scripture, in this verse, the implication in this verse 27 is that there were believers in Philippi that were being tempted to compromise their beliefs and lifestyles because Christians were being persecuted and out of fear, they were turning away from the gospel. Sounds very familiar to today. Familiar to a world that we live in, which the imposing culture has become the greatest enemy of the gospel. When I speak with young people, I always remind them that the enemy isn't worried about their past. A lot of times, a lot of young people, they're just worried about their past. I tell them, don't worry about your past. The enemy's not worried about your past, sorry. But he's so concerned about your future because he knows that God has a great plan and purpose. And if he can distract you from God's purposes and God's plans for your life, he can hold you back. But that doesn't just apply to young people. That applies to every single one of us in this room, every single person watching online. The enemy is not so concerned about your past. Your past is your past. We tend to go back and get stuck in our past. And while we're distracted with it, he's trying to keep us from our future in Jesus Christ. Because he knows that we can have an encounter with Jesus Christ, our world will change. Our world will change, amen? And just like Paul had that encounter with, with Jesus and his life was transformed, he, he lived this life, and we, if you know the story of Paul and how he was Saul, and he was living life with purpose, with purpose, persecuting Christians, fulfilling his, what he thought was the right thing, all in the name of God, all in the name of God, persecuting Christians. But then he encountered Jesus, and Jesus changed it all. Just a little side note. We can easily spend so much time, money, and energy searching books, podcasts, going to conferences, visiting churches, listening to preachers, hiring, hiring life coaches, following trends on TikTok, all in search of purpose. But what we really need is an encounter with Jesus. We need an encounter with Jesus. And in closing, I, I want to share a story in the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament. There's a story of a king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he erects a gold statue in the middle of, of the city, 90 feet tall, nine 
feet wide. And there was a mandate set out through all the land that as soon as you heard the band and the musicians playing music, everybody was meant to fall on their knees and worship this, this statue. And the music played and everyone fell to their knees except three young men. And these three young men were outed and they were called by the king. And the king was just furious. But something about these three young men, he had mercy and he's like, hey, I'm gonna give you a second chance. But he told them, next time you hear the music, you better bow down. And in Daniel chapter three, verses 16, we hear their response. They reply to the king and they say, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything you might cook up. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of a difference. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up because we belong to God. We belong to Jesus. And in this culture right now where culture is just erecting gold statues, that we're meant to compromise our faith, meant to compromise our, our values in order to live a more comfortable life. Just so people don't talk about me, I'm gonna compromise and I'm gonna bow down. No, we're gonna stand up because we belong to Jesus. Come on. In this time of age, when the enemy is trying to destroy the future of our young people, the future of our children, our very own future, and it's not by, uh, by, it's not by impacting our finances, our homes, none of that. It's, it's, we, we're, we forget who we are. We get so busy and we get so wrapped up with our identity in, in our jobs, and we, our security in our job and my 401k and all these other things. I can't wait till I retire because this and that. But we forget who we are because before you were a banker, you're a child of God. Before you're a teacher, you're a child of God. Before you're a plumber, you're a child of God. Before you're a chef, you're a child of God. Before you're a mechanic, you're a child of God. Before you're a farmer, you're a child of God. Before you're a pastor, you're a child of God. We are children of God. And we, we need to rise up and stand up in this time of age, in this generation. Everyone in this room, we should have that fight in us just like these young men. You can do whatever you want. My God will rescue me. And if he doesn't, I, will, I won't. I will continue to worship him because I am a child of God and I belong to Jesus. Come on, somebody shout, I belong to Jesus. Say it one more time, I belong to Jesus. And I want to challenge you, church. Don't just come to church. God gave you a story. God gave you a unique story. Like I said at the very beginning, you have purpose and God desires to pour himself out in you daily. You can't say, well, he only wants to use you. No, he wants to use all of us in this room. And it doesn't matter who it is. As long as you're willing to say, God, here I am. I'm ready. I'm willing to be a vessel used by you in your hands. I know that you will provide everything I need. God, use me. Use me at the hospital. Use me at the school. Use me at the, at the body shop. Lord, use me wherever you please to use me for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. We need to shout Jesus from the mountains. We need to shout Jesus in the streets. We need to stop, we need to stop being a silent church and we need to raise up and raise up our voice and declare the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. In sickness or in health, we belong to Jesus. In the valleys or on the mountaintops, we belong to Jesus. In the good or the bad, we belong to Jesus.
Can we just stand up right where we are real quick? And I've asked the worship team to come out and join us as we're closing up this service. And there's a song that we sing as a church. It says, says, shout Jesus from the mountains, shout Jesus in the streets. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. When you find yourself in chaos, when you find yourself defeated like LaVon shared earlier, when you find yourself in grief, when you find yourself in that prison of life, shout Jesus. He is our rescuer. He is our strong tower. Amen. Can we lift our voices? Can we lift our hands? Come on, team. Lift, lift your voices. Sing it out. Say, shout Jesus. Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness. Come on. Sing it out, Jesus. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. One more time, come on, sing it out. Shout Jesus, say Shout Jesus from the mountains. Come on, say Jesus in the streets. power in his name, come on. Jesus in the darkness over every Come on, Jesus for my family. Jesus for my family. I speak your holy name. I speak the holy God, I believe in your word, Lord, and we receive your word today. We pray, Lord, that your word continue to work in our lives, in every part of us, Lord. Let it change us and transform us. Come on and say this. Say, I believe in Jesus. Say it out loud. Say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died and rescued me from sin. I believe he raised from the dead, and I believe that today hope has entered my story. God, give me boldness to proclaim the gospel with others. The boldness to live this life fully devoted to you, Lord. Give us that boldness, Lord, to proclaim your name, my God, to stand boldly. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. Come on and say this with me. Say, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours forever. Use me for your glory. Give me purpose for your glory. Spend me for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected, or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week 
and we will see you next Sunday. 